Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we have as our guest this afternoon, Sebastian Wen. Hi. Hi, Sebastian. Nice to have you here. Sebastian is fresh in from Ottawa, Ontario, where... He was uh, competing at the Youth Can Slam Festival, won the Underground Indies, and uh, his team won the National Youth Poetry Slam Championship. So congratulations. Yay. Yay. So that didn't seem very enthusiastic. (laughs) No, it was good. It was a lot of fun. That's as enthusiastic as he gets sometimes. (laughs) Uh, So yes, we like to have our guests start off things with a poem. So uh, yeah, take it away, please. The boy sought for Tiernanog. The boy had walked until the ground carved his feet blue and the sky grew bored of him. He walked until the old streets were forgotten, until he was dead to ragtime jazz and blues. He walked until his name was sick of lips and his eyes were marbles he could suck the water out of when he was thirsty. He would stop at rivers. They looked so hungry. Those fat dream flows, those older-than-God shapeless bodies, and he thought to himself, wouldn't my soul look tasty in those teeth? One day... The boy got to the Black Mountain, and he said with something that would have been a smile or a laugh, Surely this must be it, this grumbling stone scar, this ugly nowhere. I have made it to Tirnanog. He was naked now. His once beautiful clothes returned to dust, but his sword still existed, so he climbed with it, cutting its teeth into the mountain, pulling himself up and up and up and up, and the poem went down and down and down and down, and the moon crossed its arms and cawed. This poet is wasting your time. And the poet said, Well, what would you prefer? And the moon said, Get him to the top for the love of God. So the boy got to the top of the mountain, and he looked out on this cosmic lump, this ugly nowhere, and he said, Surely this is it. This is it. This is Tirnanog. Laughing again, the boy with his feet carved blue in the sky bored of him was never so pretty and chuckling and snorting and hooting and hawing and roaring as he gazed out at that vast absence of language, and he asked, Can I open my eyes now? But there was no answer, only ink. He tried to go back, but there was no answer, only ink. He tried to cry out, but there was no answer, only ink. And the poet, some golden skull planted in the mulch, said, do not worry, little boy. Tirnanog is real. It will always be real. You have been there a while now. You have kissed its prairies with your thick moccasins, trudged its swamps in your fine boots, sailed its oceans in your grand vessels. You have danced its concretes with your tiny bones, and you are not there anymore. And the whole time, there was nothing, only ever, ink. 
All right. Nice way to start. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Only ever ink and words. Can't see the ink on the ta- on the radio though. No, no, I can't. Yeah, it's true. I'm but in a did, T-shirt. I'm did, never in a T-shirt. So you, uh, <laughs> you did. Uh, you did paint quite the picture though. Oh, thank you. Um, but in case we don't know or did or missed it, what is Tiernog? Tiernog is uh, it's sort of the heaven of uh, ancient Irish mythology. Okay. But it's I mean of course you can't translate Christian heaven into ancient Irish heaven, but yeah, similar. Yeah, and that was a p- that was a piece that you performed at the Victoria Spoken Word Festival. Correct? Yeah, we were given like an hour to write a piece uh, that was based off of these. I think they were Nordic, um, like fairy tale paintings, illustrations, and they were pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I wrote that one. It was a culmination of things I've been thinking about for a while. So, and that one though, when you performed it, you really utilized the space. Um, you were running around. You were hiding. From the audience and uh, and so I'm just curious as what was how was it different for you just reading it for us rather than doing it in that big performance style well or? I think both ways uh, even more than normally when I do spoken word I was thinking about telling a story when I did that piece and thinking about mythology and how I could make mythology my own thing so when I was in a space for a live audience all these things I was doing it was kind of about this mentality of entertaining a group of people that I'm kind of sharing with um, even beyond like the monologue of spoken word and so I just kept that in mind when I've spoken to a microphone just now <laughs> so you were imagining it in your head yeah yeah I try to imagine it and uh, and sort of share it and yeah so you said it was inspired by the these things that you had to do with the pic the the paintings or the pictures that were there um, and then Tiernog was that part of your like because you said it was also things you'd been thinking about so is that part of your kind of knowledge of fairy tales and mythology and lore like that you drew on? Yeah, I'm fascinated with um, with Irish mythology. And um, and the picture was of this boy looking out at this black giant mountain and there was this little head sitting next to him. And I was just um, kind of writing about trying to pursue some sort of higher higher achievement or some kind of higher knowledge and um, and its relationship with this land where you never grow old. That's mm-hmm. sort of the the underlying premise of Tirnanog is that nobody ages. Cool. Um, do you often you do you often write pieces that have the poetic conceit of talking about a poem or a poet within them? Hmm, I wouldn't say often. I think it's been done from time to time. I mean I like meta. Who doesn't like meta? And <laughs> uh, and there's um and there's a lot to, I think, think about in terms of how we consider poetry and how we write poetry and how we listen to poetry. Probably probably there are more questions there even than there are in other art forms. So it, it becomes tempting to do that. I see. And cause I was going to say, yeah, because you, you, I know that you do do that in some of your poems, um, like The Death of Art, for mm-hmm. example. You're, you're kind of doing that as well. Um, so you're commenting upon yourself as a poet or as other people as poets or poetry mm-hmm. as an art. Yeah, and we actually we had a discussion uh, last week. You were saying that what was it that Sherry D. Wilson advised you against when you were performing, like to to not. Well, I, yeah, I mean, she was saying uh, her her famous words that she was told by one of her teachers uh, was, uh, "Don't piss from a high distance down on your poetry." And I think what she meant by that was, "Don't sort of present the poem with this sort of." 
going into it as if you are making fun of yourself in a way. I mean, once you learn sort of the ins and out of a poem, you, you tend to, there's sort of this subconscious temptation to get laughs in the way that's most obvious. And a lot of the time, you know, if you, if you have a kind of ecstatic energy about you and the things you are saying are a little bit out there, then you can use that to be funny because you're the one saying those things that are out there and people are laughing at how out there you are. Mm -hmm. But if you originally wrote that poem with the intent of saying something you know, strong and true, then you should just say that rather mm. than being, ah, I'm out there right now. Look at me. I'm naked. Ha ha ha. And yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm going to ask some more about that later, but I want to hear another <laughs> poem. Okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is from my chapbook, Goodbye Charlie, and it's called The Gig. Oh, and I don't know if this matters, but it's uh, in the Claremont Review as well. You might want to sit a little bit closer to the mic. I'm not sure. Yeah, sit closer to yeah. the microphone. Hey, get rhythm, when you get the blues, come on, get rhythm, when you get the blues, just cost a dime, just a nickel a shoe, a little billion dollars with the good for you, get rhythm, when you get the blues. Craig said, back in the 60s, while everyone else was all love and peace, I used to ride around with my pickup truck, drop acid and look for street fights. Stuck between an ex-trafficker with an honors degree in chemistry and a hobo kleptomaniac with a well-used Bible that he reads on break, I haul plywood from the police station's basketball court into a dumpster. The rhythm of my boot heels coaxing blisters out of my skin, while a swimming pool forms in my ventilator mask out of dust and sweat. Everywhere I look, there is life. It is under my fingernails, wriggling in the back of my sinuses. Justin says, you know, my first wife was a real woman. I only married her on account of our boy. My second wife just didn't work out. Anyway, I've had eight kids to three wives. You think being a carpenter pays those bills? They'd cut off me balls if they got some green for them. But what can you do, you know? I love them all to pieces. The rain goes through Cleopatra mood swings. High River falls underwater. Calgary's buzzing that they might have to cancel the stampede. A thousand people drown in India. Francisco says... I used to skip school. I'd go play ball in the park eight hours a day, nonstop. I'd go home and fall asleep without even eating dinner. I almost went pro, but you know how it goes. This is the first time I've been in a police station without cuffs on. For once, I noticed the lost, swarming in a complex of concrete, everywhere, barely visible, the way their chalked skin blends in with the synthetic stone and the drone of the taxis mulls over their voices, chewing their language to pieces. <laughs> We're both <laughs> nodding at each yeah, other. Yeah, they, they looked eye contact, <laughs> nod. Eye contact, okay. nod. Who's going to say something first? <laughs> um, was that a real experience that you had, like, working on the yeah. police station in Calgary? Yeah, I, there, was a, there was a flood in Calgary last year, and yeah. so they needed, uh, they needed repair workers and construction workers right away, and I was totally broke. I needed a summer job, so I was like, pick me! And I went there, and of course, there were a lot of other people that really needed money really fast, and they're, I mean, most of them came from uh, situations that were more different than me than I think I'll ever have, you know, an experience mm -hmm. to work with again, um, at least in that way. And uh, and there was just so many characters there that were really, really characters, and so I wrote about it. What was it about it that what they were talking about that made you want to write about them? What was the like? Was there a, a common thread that you were trying to that you're trying to? 
get across? Well, I don't know if there was a common thread. I mean, I think the the thing was that there was a deep sadness I observed in that first guy uh, and how jovial he was. And yet he started talking about his daughter and how he couldn't, uh, his daughter wouldn't talk to him and these things. And he would talk with such sort of uh, enthusiasm about sort of the violence of his of his childhood. And uh, and those things sort of made me curious. And um, and then there were just so many so many different people there. I mean, there really was this guy who said he had an honors degree in chemistry and had been busted for trafficking and and all of this stuff. And they they just had because of where they were, all of them had a way of telling their story mm-hmm. that probably had a bit of you know nostalgia to it and probably had a bit of exaggeration to it, and it, it made for a good retelling. I think. Mm-hmm. And they're probably those people would not have met each other. Mm. Outside of that circumstance, like yeah. they would have, their lives revolve in different places, probably. Mm-hmm. And it felt that way because they were all so different. It felt, for the first time, I felt this sort of simultaneous um, kind of uh, love, I guess, for the people around me, and this sort of observation about how distant we really all are. And how was it working on that project of during the flood? Do you think were you able to actually do anything or solve any problems? I don't know. I mean, well, that was the other ironic thing is that I was with all these people that were from really poor backgrounds. A lot of them had a lot of animosity with the police, and there they were kind of cleaning up after their, mm-hmm. their uh, uh, what's the, feces, I guess. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, I don't know if we did any good. I, I'm often feeling like we always try to quantify the amount of good we're doing without acknowledging that we're such a tiny fraction, really. So you just do your thing and not worry about and hope it helps. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned Calgary a couple of times. And Sherry, D, D, um, I think you consider her a mentor. Is that correct? Mm, yes. Did you work with her in Calgary? You have connections to Calgary, obviously. Yeah. I was, um, I was born um, uh, in the States. And I was raised most of my life in Alberta. And I met Sherry D. I was writing poetry for a long time. But I started Spoken Word when I was 14. And I met Sherry D. Wilson. And, um, and she has been a huge influence on uh, just on helping me and inspiring me. I think um, out of many, many people I met, she's uh, remarkably good at um, giving people direction with their work and, and kind of just taking a poem and, and bringing it like bringing it back, bouncing the energy back and forth. And, uh, and we had a kind of a frequency that we shared. So mm-hmm. she's, been, she's been great. Can you say what one of her, one of the pieces that you really admire of hers or one of the performances that you really admire? Um, well, I mean, one thing I love about Sherry D is that when she performs live, she likes to just improvise like crazy and that she goes in, she always has so much fun and she's, she's really the trickster in a lot of ways. Um, and she just likes to circumvent and, and destroy expectations. Um, she has a lot of pieces that, um, in a way, her more serious pieces, I find very powerful because she has a sort of lyrical beauty in the way she describes um, some of the things. Violence against women, for example, is a subject that I think she tackles very well. And um, her new book, um, Open Letter, is uh, is really excellent. And uh, yeah, I mean, tons of work by her. Cool. Let's hear another piece. Oh, OK. Uh, this is a piece from my book. Um, first half of this book is all about uh, gamblers. And there's one gambler by the name of Stu Unger. And I wrote about what he would have been like when he was, um, when he was younger. It's called Ballad of the Gambler's Shadow. New York, 1971. In my version of a beautiful lie, my kind of reality, 
We lock ourselves up in some dim-lit nowhere hut strapped to the Yukon and just make love. Like it's hard labor, till our bodies are honey and raw. And in the evenings, we play each other's guts out, like mine knives doing a death waltz in this thickness of the black. No limit. PLO. Open face Chinese, fantasy land, chess, backgammon, rummy. We let language drip into game theory, and then stick our tongues deep in our gifts. Sometimes in the mornings, you blare hot blues on the steel harp while the sun smokes and rises hard over the teeth of the freezing mountains. Your notes twist and twitch in the wind, and I watch your neck like I'd watch the player on my left checking out the hand the dealer gave him on the short stack. That's what my beautiful lie looks like. Only problem is, I don't even know who you are. I doubt you'd even want to move to the Yukon. You'd probably be all whine and moan about mosquitoes and gray food. You ask me, why would you ever want to leave New York anyway? And I admit to you that I'm just too soft for this city. Card shark who can't swim. I beg myself to find the land and slip my shade. Why'd I even tell you? Why'd I try? Why'd I even ask if you'd come with me? Nice. Now you said that's nice. from your, your your chat book that you're reading from. Yeah, it's called Goodbye, Goodbye Charlie. Goodbye Charlie, and do you are those pieces that are in there also pieces that you tend to perform at spoken word events, uh, or are they different? Some of them are. You know, I I wrestle a lot with whether or not there should be a divide or any kind of line or any kind of negotiation between page poetry and spoken word poetry. And it's funny too because I apply a certain lyricality to my page poetry that page poets are often like, wow, like. Hmm, and then I start, sometimes I'm less lyrical in the spoken word stuff. Actually, not often. I'm pretty lyrical with spoken word. But anyway, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I do think that you can just be denser on the page. Mm. So a lot of this stuff is denser, and I tend not to perform it. But I've gotten better at just reading it out. Because well, because there's dialogue and everything in that one. It sounded very performative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I try, I try to... That one, actually, I do read out loud a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And clearly, you are good at performance because you just came back from the National Poetry Slam Championships, the Youth Poetry Slam Championships. And how many times have you been on the team now? Uh, just that was my first time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the indie... Underground fun, indies? So is it underground so it's not actually part of the the competition? Or I, I saw it's it called It's part of the festival, things, but it's so. not an actual... It's, it's an underground thing. It's not really... It's a part, but not part of it. it okay. Yeah. It's a part apart from it. Yes. Yeah, so it's not part of the official program. It's sort of like happens well, it is, after hours. It well, then when, why is it's it both. Under- Well, I I'm think not it comes sure from a tradition underground. of being underground, underground. Like originally. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. And now it's kind of like, oh, it's underground. But like everybody goes to it and it's not. Yeah. It's not really underground. I think it's just an individual competition for youth poets. And was there an audience as mm-hmm. well? as this? So it wasn't just the poet Because that's what usually makes oh, it Oh, it's mostly just right? the poets. Yeah. It's mostly oh, just okay. the poets, which makes it more underground. Right, yeah. Because no one else is going to it. Above ground, underground. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess because, I mean, that or- that idea originated uh, in 2009 uh, at the National Poetry Slam in the States. They had a side event that was completely not affiliated yeah. with it yeah. at all. Um, and so then other um, events have adapted it or adopted it into their um, festivals. And <laughs> so, you know. Co-opted. Yeah. And I don't know, actually, I don't know how many times, I think it's only other Canadian festivals like CFSW and Versus and the Youth Can Slam are actually incorporated into 
it and hullabaloo does as well but uh, i don't think other u.s things uh, right festivals they keep it do underground yet. so it's sort <laughs> of like the poet it. chosen by the poet yeah they right they don't bring it, it into don't the don't acknowledge festival. it don't encourage it yeah exactly <laughs> so we're here today with our guest sebastian Wynn, uh, and you're listening to us on wax poetic on cfro 100.5 on vancouver co-op radio and um, do you want to say more about coming the the youth can yeah, slam? Yeah, talk just a little bit back? about that. Yeah, how is that for people you? keep asking me, you know, oh, how was youth can slam? And I, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I mean, I've been to uh, like a number of festivals in the last couple of years, so it was in a, in many ways it compared to those. Um, it was very intensive and it was very fun and it was great to meet all these different poets. I'd say that. Um, one thing that made it uh, kind of more refreshing was just that the uh, the attitude of the youth is so um, it's just less competitive. Like everyone is there with the idea that they're there to grow and that they and that they want to grow and they want to learn from each other and they want to enjoy each other. And I think when you go to adult festivals, there's just I don't know, maybe I'm imagining it, but there's just kind of this. They're all they're all been doing it for a long time, and they're all there to win it. And so they're just they're like I'm this person, and that's who. Uh, and but then with the youth, it's like wow, I love poetry, and that's it. And yeah. I'm here to grow and, and figure that out. And so that was just it was enjoyable. Do you do you agree with that difference? Because I I don't know my experience. What I've seen in the adult ones has been sort of what you described with the youth ones as well. But there's probably a different exuberance and a different enthusiasm, a different non-jadedness about it, right? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say there was a jadedness about the the, what do the so-called adult slams uh, or slammers. I think it's more that, yeah, they're, they're more competitive and they're going in with an agenda to win rather than just go and perform. And if I win, it's, hey, that's good happenstance. Um, where at uh, at Youth Can Slam, I mean, well, I mean, we we went to have a great time, but also to try and win, and uh, so, but we in a way that was like, okay, if we don't, we don't, right. but uh, it was still a lot of fun. Like we we were laughing half the time. We were through most of our rehearsals and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, it would be like do a poem and then laugh and make fun of each other for fifteen minutes, and then oh yeah, that's right, let's work on something else again. Yeah, and I mean, we did a piece on finals night where we asked the audience to put a fetus in it. So it's yeah. really just. Yeah, we were definitely there to mess around. <laughs> and you say we because you were coaching the team. I was coaching the team. You're, yeah. you're not actually young enough to be on the youth. No. Actually, he turned 16. I did year, turn so. 16 during the festival. I mean, so. spiritually, maybe you are. No, I actually did. Spiritually, it's more like seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you also went on tour for the very first time uh, with your friend and partner, Jess Tallstrup. Uh, mm-hmm. How was that? Uh, that was uh, that was a great experience. I mean, it was uh, incredibly taxing. It was probably more stressful than being in a festival is. And uh, there was just so much driving, which Jess had to do all of because I don't drive. I don't have a license. So she was kind of mad at me by the end of it. Well, not Next mad, on the list of things of to do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and she plays. She's an incredibly talented vocalist and keyboard player and guitar player. And so we just... We jammed stuff like that, and we played a lot of different venues in a lot of different cities. And, you know. mm-hmm. and were you mixing up uh, music with? Because uh, Jess does that already, but were you mis- using uh, using her musically in your work performances? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a set that we've put together, and it's it's basically all songs that we've written together. And I do mostly spoken word or hip hop through yeah. it. Cool. And uh, were you working uh, with other artists, or were you just you were responsible for drawing the crowd yourself, just the two of you? And uh, it depended on the show, but yeah. um, there were there was a couple shows where we had um, different people, like either we were opening or they were opening for us, and um, and then there were shows where we were on our own. I think the slams the slams are always safe 
and then they, they take good care of you yeah. and then you go do a music venue somewhere and they're like cool like have fun <laughs> <laughs> and then were you getting like how many people were what kind of venues were you doing when you weren't doing slams there was an eclectic mix uh, yeah. we did uh, two house parties one at this really uh, like fringe super awesome uh, um, group of students in Lethbridge and they had an ama- like they had a painting a giant painting of dildos on the wall in this old like old school house and they had like a 60s record player and I'm like I want to live here and, uh, and they had like they have people over every month and they have a house concert okay. so we did that that was super fun Brendan Flaherty hosted us in Saskatoon thank you Brendan and, uh, and that was really great because it was during the Fringe Festival so lots of artists were there um, and then we also did you know music venues in Toronto and slams in Sherbrooke Calgary Peterborough wow you, oh my gosh you really did do a lot of driving I thought you were only gone for like a week or something oh he was no he was gone he left uh, about five weeks six weeks before uh, the team headed ah, east okay I'm the worst sorry yeah <laughs> Um, So we're almost out of time. So we probably have time for one more poem from you. Okay. And a guest this afternoon is Sebastian Wen. And you're listening to him here on uh, CFRO, Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM. Okay, I'll do do Art is Dead. Uh, It was the last poem I performed at Youth Can Slam. Greetings. I am the robot from the year 2014. I am here to inform you that all us lousy poets and storytellers are growing obsolete. We are a near extinct species. I fear soon we will be cut out of the equation altogether. First, they got George Carlin, tied him to the back of their truck and skinned him as a trinket. I don't even want to talk about what they did to Leonard Cohen. That's right, that's right, that's right. You can find his husk dragging itself around on its hind legs to stadiums full of tourists with jumbo popcorns, and one of them says, Play hallelujah. I fear soon there will be no young people. That's right, that's right. They drain all the jazz out of their blood. An engineering student tells me, Personally, um, I don't really get why we gotta learn poetry. Uh, I don't really see why we gotta learn art. As entertainment, maybe... But even then, I'd rather watch a movie. And by movie, I mean TV. And by TV, I mean The Walking Dead. (laughs) I tell him, I am watching The Walking Dead right now. (laughs) And when I say, the status quo is eating democracy, they say, cliche. When I say, this is my vulnerability, they say, navel gazing. When I say, this is all I have to give you, they say, I'd like a medium latte with so much glucose that I could use this beverage to pickle you. You with your silly big ideas. You with your quaint flair and your novelty. You art fag, hippie, hipster, hobo, stoner. We, the hard drive, reject you. You you know, at night, I pray for the bombs to drop, you jerks. I play we're all standing around in nuclear winter and somebody says, Gee, if only there was a door into another individual's experiences to make our community sharper and more loyal. (laughs) And then I would put peace into the lips of the rich boy from Chicago, clapping politely at my roadside freak show. I'd holler the socks of the doctor talking down to my hooligan blood sport. I'd give you the down and dirty of my journey. I'd give you the daughter killers. I'd give you a flash of red and Euripides. I'd talk so good that the mountains would kneel before us. Together, we would devour the highways. The stars would fornicate like madness, and our voices would crash against the ocean. So cut your electricity, please. Reconnect my speaker. I am done with all this dust and silence. I am done with being a fox on the run. Listen, I am begging you. 
to be present with me around the fire, because this is all I have to give you. It's a good gift. It's a great gift. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to everybody. It's uh, not your birthday, but it is your birthday. It is your birthday. <laughs> uh, don't unplug your speakers yet, though. Wait till, uh, wait till later in the day, because uh, we've got a few more minutes, and then no apologies necessary is coming up next. Yeah, and we want to tell you about some stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, is that poem available for people to see or listen to? Sure, you just go on YouTube, Google yeah. my name, Sebastian Wen. art is dead. It'll W-E-N. be there. Oh, from the Hullabaloo finals? Or? Uh, for, I was never at Hullabaloo, but it's uh, it's on... Or sorry, uh, the Van Slam finals? Uh, yeah, semifinals or something. It's, it's around. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And that's W-E-N. Yes, W-E-N. And uh, Sebastian with an E-N, too. Sebastian. E-N-E-N. Uh, and where can people find you on the internet if they so want to? Well, you can find me all over the internet. I am everywhere. But also, <laughs> you can go to SebastianWen.com, or you can just check me out on YouTube. Yeah. And so that's about it. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, All right. there's lots of places. And you got some events there, Yeah, Pam? I do. Um, the Thursday's Writing Collective, who we've had on a couple of times when they've brought a book out, they're doing an Indiegogo campaign for their next book, which is uh, their next project, which is Voice to Voice. It's the seventh book of writing that they're doing, and it's about music and transformation. So you can donate to that, or you can help them out by sharing the link they've got. Eight days left in their oh. campaign. They only need four hundred and twenty-two more dollars to make their goal. And then, if they get more than that, they'll be using it to reprint past ch- chapbooks or use it for the next one. And it's uh, so just Google Thursdays Writing Collective or Voice to Voice um, and Indiegogo campaign uh, Indiegogo.com, and you can help them out. And tonight, Poetry in the Park moves till 6 to 6 p.m. because the days are getting shorter. So they're starting at 6 p.m. now. It's an earlier start uh, at okay. Queen's Park on in the band at uh, the band shell. And tonight it's like the it's like the man's reading or the bros or the I don't know, but it's Dennis Bolin, <laughs> Timothy Shea and Kevin Spence. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of masculine lot of power there. It is a lot of man. man. It's a lot of man. So that is tonight at 6 p.m. in uh, in um, New Westminster. Uh, also happening tonight is uh, Jacques Lalonde, who is a uh, he's been at every single Fringe Festival in Vancouver that's uh, ever happened. He's performed at every single one. He's also been uh, someone who's come out to the Vancouver Poetry Poetry Slam a lot. And he had a stroke a couple of years ago, and uh, or a year and a half ago, and uh, he's mostly recovered from it and doing really well in his recovery to the point where he's written a play about it called Stroke of Luck. And uh, he's going to be in this year's Vancouver Fringe, but he's doing kind of a a run-through, a preview, this evening at the Orpheum Theatre Annex, which is downtown Vancouver on Seymour Street. And it starts at 8 o'clock this evening. It's called Stroke of Luck. And if you get a chance, check that out as well. And uh, coming up on Monday is another Vancouver Poetry Slam. I don't know who's featuring. uh, Oh, no, what? Yes, I do. It's the Youth Poetry Slam. And uh, Ella Barton from Seattle, who uh, represented the, the Rain City Slam will be the featured performer at that event. And tomorrow there is also a slam, Slamapalooza, which is the Quantlet Slam, uh, at the Grassroots Campe, Camp, Grampus Cat. Uh, I'm trying to. It's com- in Quantlet. I'm trying to combine three words: cafe and campus. The Grassroots Cafe on the campus uh, in Surrey at 1266 72nd Avenue, Surrey. Um, that is featuring Chris Gilpin. I do want to mention one more thing because it's completely different. Is there's a there's a reading at Heartwood Cafe on Friday. It's a new reading series. And if you want to be in it, uh, email them by midnight tonight. Spendpoetry at gmail.com. Cool. 
Thanks, Pam. And uh, thank you, Sebastian, for being our guest this thank afternoon. Thank you. So nice to have you here, and welcome back from Ottawa. Uh, that's all the time we've got this afternoon. I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. This has been Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. No apologies necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? So what?